You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. How many of you believe there's a Holy Spirit? Do you know there's um, some people, some places you wouldn't know it? Um, But we believe, according to the scripture, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And probably the neglected one of the three or the most misunderstood of the Holy Trinity would be the Holy Spirit. And yet he, and, and hear me, he, he is a he. Not an it, not a she. There's no ambiguity about this. Not some vapor, whatever. The Bible is very, very clear in all the terms that it uses for everybody else, personality and persona, that he, the Holy Spirit, is the agent of action in the earth today. The Father is seated on the throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost uh, to dwell in new temples. He would come in the Old Testament and dwell in temples made with hands, buildings. And then after uh, the um, death of Jesus and then the resurrection, the ascension, and then finally uh, for keeps, in the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in these temples not made with hands. And that's what Jesus came to do was prepare these temples. Paul said a big part of your problem in life, and you hear this, and we're going to get into this in a few weeks. Most of our problems in life is Paul corrected in this way. Have you forgotten? Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and he dwells in you? And we, when we forget that, then we get out of kilter in a whole lot of ways and we're depending on other things for our strength and direction. So the Holy Spirit, let me share a few things uh, with you. And this is kind of a leading thought here. If you or I had never watched Christian television, bless you. That's a little scary. I'm going, sorry, bro. Uh, If, if you or I had uh, never been to church, if you or I had never really talked to anybody, if the only thing we had ever done was read the Bible, Old and New Testament, regarding the Holy Spirit, we would have such excitement. We would have such great expectation of what he would do uh, if we would just stick with the Bible. So that's troubled me for a while. And then I, here's the answer. Let's just turn to the Bible. And so that's what we're going to do. And we're finding out about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, um, the plans of the Spirit, um, a, a lot of things that we're looking at with this. Now, the problem comes that anything that's powerful and wonderful, here's what man does. Anything that's powerful or wonderful, man tends to either go overboard or not go at all. And we've talked about it in recent weeks. Um, for every truth, there's a road and on either side of the road are ditches. And unfortunately, most powerful things, uh, people drive into ditches. You know, can't handle it, but we can. And what we want to do is make sure that we're not in either ditch. And I would, I would tell you this, that in a church this size, we're bound to have people all over the road and in both ditches. And so the goal is with Tim's tow truck is to get everybody out of the ditches and just see it in the word of God um, so that we can have all of the Holy Spirit in our life 
without confusion, without conflict, without controversy. And it's just amazing. And I'll talk a little bit about this later. It's so amazing that there's such discomfort around the one that Jesus introduced as the comforter. And so the best way to clear up anything is to find the truth and get it in the light. And that's what we're going to do. Holy Spirit has been misunderstood. He's been misrepresented. He's uh, abused, avoided, ignored. There's extremes. There's controversy. People are sometimes uninformed or misinformed. Um, And then people have a tendency to take a doctrine and make drama out of it. Uh, Excuse me. Take a manifestation and make doctrine or drama or practice out of something. And if you're not careful of that, you drive that into a ditch and then you cause other people to resist or to avoid it altogether. So we're on a truth quest. We're on a truth quest. Um, We want clarity. I want clarity for his work in our life and his work in this church. Um, Because we cannot do church. We cannot do life without the Holy Spirit to be our helper and to be our strength. Can I get a good amen tonight? Now, in Acts chapter 17... You don't need to turn there right now, but uh, we read of the Bereans and it said that they were more noble minded than the rest in that they received the teaching, the word with readiness. But this is what they did then. And then they went and they searched the scripture to see if these things are so. And a lot of people are not as noble minded as the Bereans. So what they do is they take whatever they hear or whatever they see, or maybe even what they've done or got caught up in or whatever else, they take that. And then that just, and that just kind of uh, calcifies in their life. And that's just the way it is. And it may not be accurate. So we have to come back to scripture. Now, one of the things that we stand on in this church, and if we don't stand on this, if you don't stand on this, I hope you'll make the adjustment or you'll make the trip because around here, the word of God has final authority. Okay. Not a tradition, not a denomination, not some kind of whatever. The word of God must be our final authority. And we give it that in our life and we give it that in this church. Okay. Can I get a good amen on that as well? All right. Last week I shared with you. No, it was two weeks ago. I shared with you uh, the main ministry of the Holy Spirit. Please know this uh, is in your personal life. It's in your individual personal life. When I was a little kid, I thought God lived in the church. I was told that was God's house. Come on, how many of you? And I remember, man, look at that place. And I never saw him. And actually, the church we went to as a kid, I never felt him either. Actually, they didn't talk much about him. Actually, during vacation Bible school, one of the arts and crafts projects one year was an ashtray. I made it for my grandpa. It was awesome. God is so good or something inside. I don't don't, know. No, but for real, made made an ashtray. But we we were just kind of the mindset that the church was God's house. And I understand that in Scripture, he uses that terminology. But more accurately, God's house is you. So we have 168 hours a week. And on a good week... The most committed among us coming to church, you still got 165 hours left of your week. So it'd be a shame to leave him here. 
and spend 165 hours on your own. So we've got to adjust in our thinking and know that the main ministry of the Holy Spirit, and and I'm going to show you over the next few weeks, things that he does in services that that, um, we don't want him to stop. Some people say, well, I need more of the Holy Spirit or this or that. And, And you'd be amazed what the Holy Spirit is doing every service. And we'll point these things, point these things out. But the main ministry of the Holy Spirit is in your personal life. That other 166, 165, or if you're, you know, whatever it would be. I know there's been some people volunteering around here, putting in long, long hours. But I'll tell you what, he's not just here. He's in you. He's with you. And his main emphasis is in your life. Now, two weeks ago, I shared with you that one of the things he does is he comforts us. Uh, Another thing he does is guides us. Another thing that he does is convicts us and, uh, the list goes on and on, but tonight, and I, uh, pointed toward this a little bit on Sunday. One of the things the Holy spirit does, one of the greatest things that he does is he helps us to pray. He helps us to pray. He prays and let's look at some things and I'll go ahead and warn you. There's going to be a lot of scripture with this. We'll read kind of quick here in Romans chapter eight. Verse 26 and 27. If you're still with me, nod, Bob, do something here. Okay, good deal. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, this has to do with our limitations. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I want to stop right there. How many of you sometimes, I, I don't know how to pray about this. I'll get more into this on Sunday. Right now, Europe is in major mess. Um, we've got oil pouring in the, in the Gulf. You know, our own economy is kind of, um, is still fragile. Um, you've got all kinds of things going on all over the world. Israel is under threat. North and South Korea, uh, I read it this way, are rattling sabers. You've got all kinds of stuff going on in the earth. I really think that Thursday, tomorrow, would be an absolutely perfect day for Jesus to come. I was just, just thinking that. But we don't know if he will or not. So what are we, we going to do? We're going to pray and we're going to obey and we're going to keep on plowing and believe that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he's with me. And he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll get me through this. He knows everything. And he's never caught by surprise. But you have all those things going on. And then just sometimes family situations or relationships or your own finances or health or whatever. And we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. It's like, I, I, I don't know what to pray. And guess what he does? The Holy Spirit comes because of our limitations and he helps us. Let's read all of that again. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, limitations, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession or pleads for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for the saints. Say, that's me. According to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession. He pleads on our behalf according to the will of God. Now, 1 John, and we just finished teaching 1 John. 
that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and we know that we receive what we've, what we've asked of him. Okay. You with me? Okay. Bearing that in mind, let's go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. Keep this all in mind. It's going to fit together. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The Amplified Bible adds, uh, with all manner of prayer in the spirit. And so we start to see this term or this phrase come up, praying in or with the spirit. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it'll be on the screen for you. And some of you get ready, because some of you are going to, you're going to, you, okay, you ready? For if I pray in a tongue, okay, I want to stop just for a second so we can be family. How many of you sometimes when you hear anything about tongues or tongue, it just makes you feel, eh, come on, come on. It's okay. It's okay. How many of you maybe are all right with it now, but at one point in your life, it's like a bunch of fruit loops. Okay. All right. For if I pray in a tongue, where, where did I find this? Oh, in the Bible. Okay. If I pray in a tongue. My spirit, everybody say my spirit, my spirit spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now that's most people's problem with praying in a tongue or your spirit praying or praying in the, or with the spirit is our understanding. We don't understand it and we don't like something that we don't understand. We don't like that. And your speech centers dominate your brain. And when your speech centers now are being kind of given over to the Holy Spirit, I mean, we, we, go, we give over a lot to the Holy Spirit. We don't like not being in that place of control. And we don't understand what's going on. And so that, that leads us. But I'm going to help you to understand this, that when we pray in the Spirit, we don't understand. Now, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Paul says, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will pray with the spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. We'll talk about that in weeks to come. And I will also sing with the understanding. Listen to it in the Amplified Bible. For if I pray in an unknown tongue. It's in the Bible, folks, okay? If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, watch this, very important, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. Remember I told you, we read out of Romans that the Holy Spirit makes intercession, pleads on our behalf according to the will of God. And he dwells where? He dwells in these temples. And so he, it is spirit to spirit, my spirit and his spirit. So when I pray, when you pray in an unknown tongue, It is our spirit praying. It's not our understanding. It is our spirit praying by or with the Holy Spirit that's within us. Okay, now let's keep going. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. 
but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit, which is within me, but I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. And so Paul very clearly brings out, and let me just get this again so we don't get lost on this, okay? And I, don't, I, I want everybody to kind of step together so that we end up at the same place here. When a person, when I, and I'll go ahead and tell you this, since um, sixth grade, I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in sixth grade. And I would say virtually every day, except for a little season in high school, I was kind of uh, backslid for a little bit. But I would say virtually every day of my life since I pray in the Spirit. Well, what are you saying? I don't know. Because my understanding, it's my spirit. When you pray in an unknown tongue, don't, don't lose anybody, your spirit is praying. And because you're a believer, and especially when you're filled with the spirit, then the Holy Spirit that intercedes for you, it's your spirit with the Holy Spirit praying according to the perfect will of God for you or for any other person or situation that you don't know how to pray for it, but the Holy Spirit does. Okay? Now, hold on, and we'll go a little bit further with this. Um, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said, And these signs, everybody say signs, will follow those who believe. And he was talking ahead, speaking of things to come. He said, In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So tongues is a sign uh, of believers. Okay? So that goes along with it as well. And let me, let me just point this out. There, there are several kinds of tongues. In the book of Acts, we find that on the day of Pentecost, that they heard people glorifying God in their own language. And they knew that those people did not know that language. So there are times, and I don't know what it is, and don't bother yourself trying to figure out when you're praying in the Spirit. I, I think it's uh, Yugoslavian. <laughs> what if it is? Or what if it's, First Corinthians also talks about, though I speak with the tongues of men or of angels. But the thing is, it's unknown. The Greek word is glossolalia. And a glossa is to speak. Lalia has to do with talk. And you put that together and so as to speak uh, with tongues. And it's a Bible terminology. It's all over. It's even pointed to from the Old Testament at times. And so I want you to understand this. Everybody, everybody get on the same page with this. It is a Bible concept. It's in the Bible. Okay. Now, the thing is, sometimes people misuse it. Some, sometimes people don't teach it right. And part of the problem is this. There are two types of unknown tongues. There is the private, which we're talking about tonight. And then there's the public. Some people don't know that there are two different things. And the private is for personal edification. The public is for public exhortation. And it always will be encouraging. And the scripture talks about that. Edification, uh, exhortation, and comfort. So if you ever hear somebody rattle off something, it's about... I'm going to wipe you out by Tuesday. And I'm mad at the whole bunch of you. That's not the way God chooses to do that. 
I'm not making this stuff up, folks, okay? Okay? I've been in some services. It's a wonder I'm still here. Um, but you have private and you have public. And what happens sometimes, and, and I'm trying to make good use of our time here. Sometimes a person who understands their private prayer language does not know that there's any difference in this. And, and so then they go into a public setting and continue with that and think that it is the public use of tongues. And they're two separate things. There are two words used in the book of Acts and in the New Testament for gifts. And the gifts, uh, two Greek words here, chara, where we get the word charisma, having to do with gifts. And that has to do with something that is public. Okay? And then you have another gift that is doria. And doria has to do with personal Personal. And that's what I'm talking about tonight. This would be the most important of, of concerning tongues. Now, in the book of Jude, in verse 20. Y'all still here? All right. In Jude, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, say that's me, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There's so many benefits for you personally, personally, uh, of praying in the spirit. And one of them is, how many of you have ever just felt spiritually kind of run down? Come on, be honest, be, be vulnerable to spiritually run down. What do you do? Uh, I think a snack and a nap will help. And see, we try to treat these things in the wrong ways. And the thing is you need to be built up. And one of the things that will build you up is to go get by yourself or another believer of like precious faith. They've got to be on the same page here. And pray in the spirit and according to scripture. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. And by experience, you build yourself up. You strengthen and build yourself up by praying in the spirit. I don't want to go through a, a day without being able to pray in the spirit. It's almost like it. It is oxygen for your spirit to be able to pray in the spirit. The Bible also says that by praying in the spirit, you give thanks well. And it actually is indicating that you give God better thanks by the spirit than if you were just trying to thank him, you know, with your understanding. How many you know your spirit connected to the Holy Spirit does a way better job on anything than just this thing? So let's stop limiting our lives and our prayer life just by what we can understand. But Paul said, let's do both. Let's pray what we understand. Let's pray intelligently and informed on what we are, you know, hey, I got this situation. It's like with my brother last week, you know, and there was a lot of unknown on that and things, you know, that several options and could have gone several different ways. I prayed what I knew with the understanding and I prayed in the spirit because there was so much I did not know. And there, I, I went and walked outside the hospital for a little while. And I didn't know if he's in surgery, out of surgery, what was going on. But I want to pray for my brother. And I knew that the Holy Spirit knew what was going on. And he knew the will of God. He knew my brother. And he, and he knew how to handle this better than me walking around. Lord, heal my brother. Help my brother. Heal my brother. Help my brother. And that's about all I could come up with. Y'all? Okay. Now, let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. This is awesome. 
For he who speaks in a tongue. See, it's in the Bible, folks. Okay. Some of y'all just need to do this. Everybody say tongue. Okay. I mean, you're fine with it at the butcher shop and stuff. You know, yeah, pound and a half a tongue. You know, but now I've never had it myself. But, um, but we get uptight about this. And I, I, can I tell you something? I think the devil wants it that way, because if he could steer you away from such a powerful, wonderful gift from God. Now, if I pray. First Corinthians four, two. For he who speaks in a tongue, get this, does not speak to men, but to God. So this is talking about personal, devotional. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Listen to it in the Message Bible. I love it. And Eugene Peterson, incidentally, who put together the Message Bible, is both a Hebrew and Greek scholar. So there's a lot of scholarship to this, even though this is a paraphrase. He said, if you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. Watch this. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. Sharing intimacies just between you and him. Listen to me. Praying in the spirit is private. It's personal. It's intimate. It's devotional. Ask this question earlier. Remember that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit as a comforter. My question is, why is there so much discomfort around the one that Jesus introduced as the comforter? And here's part of the answer. Whenever you take something that's intended to be intimate and you put it in the wrong setting, it's uncomfortable. Intimate things in the wrong setting are wrong and uncomfortable for all. And they should be intimate things in the right settings are intimate and wonderful and comfortable. And what happens sometimes if people don't handle this in the proper way, what is meant to be intimate and personal goes public and it makes people uncomfortable. You know, somebody walked in here tonight, you know, and they, you know, I hate to even bringing this up as an analogy, but they walked in here in their underwear. Uh, realized it was time to come to church. And they came in in their underwear. They should not do that. I mean, that's going to make us all uncomfortable. Now, no way am I connecting anything to do with the Holy Spirit with that. But let, let me illustrate it this way. If um, my family, and we do this on, a, on occasion, we'll just all pile up on our bed or in the living room. And it's like a day off and the kids are off school and all of that. And maybe we're just going to eat some food and watch some TV and just hang out. And, you know, and we're, we're in bed clothes and they're all wrinkled and we got bed head. Come on. And we're all hanging out and we're family and we're comfortable as can be. And then somebody rings the doorbell. I mean, you know, everything we're not so comfortable now. I'm not going to the door. I can't go this way. You know? Now, my point is this. Things that are supposed to be intimate and personal. When they're in the right setting, they remain comfortable. And your prayer language is intimate and personal. Now, remember I mentioned family? When you are with family, when you're with others, 
than an intimate thing that they understand and believe, then you can share that intimate thing with them. Paul talked about the fact, though, that he said, but if you have among you, if you have among you those that don't believe or those that are uninformed. You with me? He said, then don't do this. But if you're in a setting, you know, if I had several people that I know, they pray in the spirit and we can come together. We, we can take something intimate and personal and pray in the spirit together. And there's total comfort with that. But if somebody then comes in and joins us, uh, you know, comes in among us and they either don't believe or they're uninformed at that point. That uninformed is a pretty rich word we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, then now there's dis- discomfort in that. So Paul said this. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul, how many of you respect Paul? I guess some of you don't respect Paul. How many of you respect the apostle Paul? Okay. Wrote two thirds of the new Testament. His obedience to God helped the church be the church today in the world. Okay. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And he said, another place said, I wish that you all did. And he said this, I would rather in the church, everybody say in the church, in the church, I would rather speak Five words that people could understand rather than 10,000 words. He said, because elsewise, when someone comes in, that's either an unbeliever or uninformed, they're going to think you've lost your mind. Now, what about tongues in service? And we'll get into this a little bit later. There is public. It's the bottom of the list of, of gifts and emphasis, but there is public Tongues and interpretation that's entirely different, entirely different than your personal prayer language. And that's what I'm talking to you about tonight. Now, are you okay so far? I'm going to go just a couple more inches and then you can go home and see who won American Idol or whatever. Okay. It's so boring this year. I don't even care. So I didn't. All right. Luke chapter 11. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through 13. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts, everybody say good gifts good gifts, excuse me, to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Number one, he's not going to do some kind of switch on you. Secondly, understand that as the Holy Spirit fills your life, and I'm giving you the abbreviated Reader's Digest version on this. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you. I do believe, I do believe based on scripture, and we'll talk about it in weeks to come, that there is a subsequent or a following event that would take place in your life. And it could happen right after. It could happen years later. Acts chapter 19 is an example. People that were believers and baptized. And they said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And he said, then what were you baptized? And, and so then 
They'd been baptized in water, which followed being a believer. And so I believe that there is something separate from that. But here is my point. I don't even want you to get all clouded in that. You need to, if you don't pray in the spirit and and you can go to heaven without praying in the spirit. And you can live a victorious life without praying in the spirit. But why do I want to? And you say, but what about this? And what about, and what about, and what about, listen, with the, with the host of scripture that we have. And then I learned this years ago, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And if you trust me at all, I want you to know the Holy Spirit bears such an important place in my life, in the life of the believer and in the emphasis of the New Testament. And we're not going to be able to live our life. We're not going to now we'll talk about public things later, but I'm more interested in your 166 hours away from here. And we've got to get that settled in our life so that you can have more joy, more understanding of the scripture, be able to give thanks. Well, be able to pray beyond what you know to pray, be able to build yourself up in your most holy faith. Well, how do, how do I get this? Number one way is you just ask, you just ask, you just ask. And since it's a personal and private thing, I believe that you don't have to receive it in public. And you could. Now, this is a whole nother, whole nother story. I am not inclined, and I prayed and labored on this for days. We could right now line you up, mow you down, you know? And we're going to be talking about what is scripturally right with that, too, come, you know, in weeks to come. But this is what I want to do. We're going to dismiss here in, in just a moment. But I want to share. I want to share a couple things with. You. First of all, have you are y'all with me on this tonight? I hope it, I'm hoping this is helping. And we've given some scripture, and there's plenty more scripture on this. This is what I want to do. Remember, we read in First um, Corinthians fourteen two in the message. It says sharing intimacies just between you and Him. I don't want you to miss out on that. So there's several ways to receive. You can receive fullness of the Holy Spirit and, and I believe this is for everyone. I know some people have some counter opinions on that, but as a pastor, I, I would like to, and it's, it, it's, I believe it's scriptural and I believe it's my heart too. I would love for everybody to be able to have this in your, to have your prayer life. To have your prayer life. Well, I'm, I'm a Baptist or I'm a Catholic or I'm this. You know, throw off the labels. You know, I used to belong to the first church of the weirdos. You know, it's like <laughs> there's, there's so many variations out there. Get those things off. Let's just go with scripture and realize God's not trying to slip one in on you. He wants to help you and bless you. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He's the comforter. I am sorry that things have gotten misrepresented all over the world in all different settings and so forth. But there's this wonderful, pure, powerful help from the helper to help us in our life, to help us in our prayer life. Number number one way that you can have this in your life is just simply to ask him. Get alone with God and ask him. I know of several people. I know several people of renown. They heard about this, read about this, whatever, and just got alone with God and said, Lord, if that's you and if that's real, then I want it in my life. Now, you do have to give instrument. You have to give voice. And and uh, that's where the second thing comes into play. Another way to receive is to get somebody to talk with you and help you and coach you a little bit. 
And we're going to have our pastors and ministers and wives after we dismiss. They're going to be up here. And if you wanted somebody to just take some time, we've got some literature for you too. And just to give to you, to help you to understand and walk you through this. I do not believe that once you receive fullness of the Holy Spirit or you start to pray in the Spirit that you turn out weird or you lose control. You don't. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You don't, you don't froth at the mouth and lose control. But we've seen all that happen. And then what people do is they take manifestation and want to make doctrine and drama and practice out of it. And let's don't do it. Let's just stay with the scripture. And we stay with the scripture. Then we can stay powerful in this and we can stay comfortable in this. And then instead of turning people off to the wonderful fullness of the Holy Spirit, they actually say, you know what? I want that. I need that in my life. Did y'all get anything at all out of this tonight?